birth is, oh, it's such a rush. Even animal birth. Like I love being there for, you know, the cows and the lambs and piglets. Like it's so cool. So maybe after I'm done with childbearing, I'll become a midwife or doula or something. It'd be so fun. (laughs) Since releasing our episode with Hannah Neeleman of Ballerina Farm, a lot has happened. She not only competed in the Mrs. America pageant, but she won. And there was this amazing clip of her talking on stage about the empowering beauty of childbirth that went viral. It was incredible. And as of today, she is just weeks away from delivering her eighth child. And she competes in Mrs. World in January. I don't know how she does it, but 8 million people get to follow along on Instagram as she shares her idyllic life at Ballerina Farm, catching glimpses of her daily life, milking the cows, making gorgeous sourdough bread, and cooking with her kids. Hannah was so lovely and generous when we recorded this episode, sharing her journey from Juilliard and the big city to farming in the small town of Camas, Utah. She truly is one of the nicest people I know and one of the most patient. You are going to love hearing from her. But first, I want to remind you that it is not too late to gift chat books. With less than a week until Christmas, we are here for you. Did you know that you can, quote, gift a subscription? This is perfect for first-time parents or busy families or faraway grandparents. Starting at just $21, our gift a subscription lets you choose from three, six, or 12 books per year. It's not just a gift. It's a year-round experience of reliving the everyday magic and moments of your family, from the first steps of your little one to vacations and everything in between. Download the Chatbooks app and click on Gift a Subscription. Select the number of books and the duration that suits your loved one's lifestyle, and you're done. (laughs) Knowing you're given a gift that keeps on giving throughout the year, there's nothing better. You're welcome. Now, on to the episode. Hello, hello, Hannah. Welcome to the Mom Force. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I am excited to be here. Okay, so I already feel like we are friends. I feel like I know you. Part of it might be that we actually have a connection because our family used to live in New Canaan, Connecticut, and we were good friends with the Neeleman family. And I actually remember hearing how Daniel was marrying a beauty queen ballerina from Juilliard, which felt right. That felt fitting for Daniel Neeleman. <laughs> um, and then later I heard Daniel is a pig farmer in Utah. And I was like, what? That was shocking, surprising, but I had been following you and somehow did not put those two together until once he made a cameo in one of your videos. And I was like, mind blown. Amazing. Yes. No, Daniel has very good memories of you guys. And he was very excited that I was doing this podcast with you. So it is, it's, it's a fun connection. I love it. I love it. I also, there's something about you and your family and the life you guys are living there on the farm that just is so familiar to me. It reminds me kind of of my childhood. Now, I did not grow up on a working farm, but I came from a big family. I'm the oldest of 12. And my mom is a beautiful, trained artist who we, we had more of like a petting zoo type farm. She did a lot of animal husbandry, animal tending, um, right, right. Jobs. And like watching you with your, 
poor pregnant mama sheep with her prolapse and you in there like suturing it up. I mean, my mom, I have memories of my mom at our kitchen table, sewing up little chicken gizzards, castrating cats, <laughs> like <laughs> the whole thing. So there's just something so reminiscent. And I just, I have just loved following you. But, and before we get into like all of the stuff with mom life and the farm and the business, I want to go all the way back to your childhood what was your childhood like? Did you grow up on a farm? Um, did you always dream of being a ballerina? I would love to hear more about it. Yeah, that's a great question. So I come from a big family, just like you. And I'm one of nine. I'm the eighth of nine children. My dad is a florist. And so he was very much an artist. You know, I, I grew up in the flower shop because we were all homeschooled next to my dad. And he was designing flowers and doing weddings and and also him and my mother were big gardeners. You know, they always had a huge garden. They foraged green drink, mostly my mom. She foraged green drinks in the morning. And and I feel like a lot of who I am today stems from how I was raised and the upbringing I had. I grew up working alongside my parents. You know, they had a family business and I saw how what it took, the trials, the ups and downs of a family business. And and when I married Daniel, you know, he was doing his own thing and I was dancing. And a few months into it, I looked at him and I thought, you know, I, I thought we were going to work together. You know, I thought that's what you did when you got married. You kind of, you know, built something together. And, and so we decided early on in our marriage that that was the goal. You know, that was the goal to work together. Yeah. And it took us a few years to get there, but we're here. <laughs> yeah. So along those years, though, you are pursuing a professional dance career at Juilliard, right? Like I used to dream of going to Juilliard. I was honestly too scared to even try for that dream. It just felt so big and intimidating. But you went, what was your experience like there? Yeah, so I, let's see, I started dance at 11 years old. And after one of my, well, I was nine years old, but 11 is when I was really serious about it. And after a performance, uh, when I was about 13, my teacher was talking to my mother and I in the hallway and she was like, you know, I can see Hannah going to Juilliard. And I didn't know what it was, but my mom was kind of like, yeah, like, no, but that's a, a great compliment. But I remember that night I went home and I Googled Juilliard on our dial up internet computer. And I spent the whole next day just pouring over the website pages of all the pre-college and the dance division and all, all of it, what, what it was. And I made a goal. I made a little sign on my closet door that said, Juilliard, here I come. And it was just, I wanted it really bad. And they had a pre-college summer intensive for 14 to 17-year-olds. And that next summer, I made a video and sent it in and was accepted. And so I went and studied there that summer of when I was 14 and then went back the following year. And yeah, it was just... I want I wanted it so bad <laughs> and it it happened. So, it was a very neat experience. Well, from the bit of dancing we get to see on Instagram, you deserve to be there. I mean, you are so beautifully graceful. I love it. Was it while you were at Juilliard that you were crowned Miss New York? Yeah, Miss New York City. So, I yeah, I I did my first pageant right after I got accepted to Juilliard. So I was still living in Utah. I did Miss Springville when I was 17, 16 and a half, mm -hmm. 17. 
mostly to pay for tuition because Juilliard has very high tuition costs and my parents are florists. (laughs) And so I did the pageant. I ended up winning. Then I went to Miss Utah the following year, got second runner up. And one of the judges there was from New York. And he said, you're in New York, you're studying New York, come do Miss New York next year. And so that's how it all started. I won Miss New York City, did Miss New York. And I ended up paying for a good portion of my college with pageants, which was such a blessing. So, Well, pageantry is something else that you and I have in common because I also paid for some of my college with pageants, pageant winnings. I love it. So yes, pageantry can be a great way to pay for school, but you were recently crowned Mrs. Utah and competed in the Mrs. America. Is that something that you had anticipated doing? What, what kind of nudged you to have a comeback? That's a great question. So <laughs> I, I did, like I did them in college and my sister, who's 11 years older than me, she was always telling me, you know, I wish we could do a pageant together. It just looks so fun. I'd love to do it with you. But she's, you know, 11 years older. She's married. She's pregnant with her 10th baby. Anyway, Wait, so what? Ten? I know she is. She's amazing. <sighs> amazing. So she, she's the one that reached out to me and said, Mrs. Utah pageant is happening in a few months. Like, we should do it together. This is our chance. And so we signed up together. And anyways, it was, it, I was so far removed from that pageant scene that it was a whole culture shock for me again, yeah. but <laughs> it was well, really I, fun. We had a good time. It looked so fun. And I thought it was just a great way to get, you know, you get some press for your business too. Cause I know, right. you know, you were able to talk about farm to table and, and all of that. So, well, I loved following your journey and I know the question, you probably get this question a lot. Like how does a Juilliard trained beauty queen <laughs> married to a city boy end up right. on a farm? Yeah, so we, so Daniel and I got married. We were living in New York City, and I was dancing, and he was doing an internship, and we got pregnant with Henry. We had our first baby there, and we were on the subway one day, and I was nursing, and I remember Daniel looking at me and think, saying, like, I don't want this for our kids. Like, his heart was not in the city, although I could, I, I could have stayed. Like, I love the city. And that was like the first time that I was like, okay, this, like, we're, we're not going to raise our kids here. Like Daniel, Daniel's heart's not here. And after that, he got a job in Brazil with a startup security company. He served his LDS mission there. So he spoke Portuguese. He went back. We worked there for four years. He was doing a startup company, like sun up till sundown working his tail off. And so I never saw him. And I was dance. I found a little company out there. I was dancing and it was hard. Like it was a hard time because I never saw Daniel and we had really different lives, really. I mean, we'd come home, but we'd both be so exhausted that we were living together, but (laughs) we didn't really know what was going on in each other's lives. And that was not the dream for us, you know? And so when we did have time in Brazil, we would drive inland to these really rural communities And we started to fall in love with homesteads and farms. And we would see these families supporting themselves on pasture-raised beef or pasture-raised dairies. And that's really where it started, our love and desire for making a farm of our own and supporting our family that way. So when we came, when Daniel sold the company in Brazil and came back to the U.S., like we bought 100 acres 
And there was, you know, we were just like, we're going to do this. Like, now's our time. <laughs> I look back on those early days of Ballerina Farm and like, we, we really didn't know what we were doing at all. <laughs> but I, Daniel had his day job, right? He was working from home from like 8.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then we would go to our farm. We were living in a basement apartment because there was no home or anything on the 100 acres that we bought. We were living in a basement apartment nearby. He would finish work and then we'd all, we'd load up the kids and go to the farm. And we'd, we'd put up fences. We, we, you know, brought in the pig huts. We started with four pigs. We started birthing these pigs and, you know, we just learned. We just jumped in and Googled a lot and there was so many failures and, but also so many triumphs as well. And, and that's yeah. when we started the Instagram is when we got that hundred acres Yeah, because I knew social media was going to play a big part in it. I knew that to, to have a small farm support a family, like I knew we had to go direct to consumer. And so I started the yeah. Instagram and it's wild. You, you definitely had a vision for what the business could be. And I want to talk more about the impact that social media has had on your business. But just listening to you to describe those early days, it's like startup life to a T. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the way it is starting a business. And even my husband and I, when we started Chatbooks, he knew a lot more because he had a, he has an MBA from Harvard. But me, I was Googling everything. Like Google was my best friend in figuring out how to market a software, consumer software right. company. Um, and I love that you shared that because I think some people do see your Instagram feed now and it just feels like this perfectly blessed, idyllic, you know, well-oiled <laughs> operation. But like we all start from scratch, clueless and, you know, living in a basement apartment, trying to make it work out. But you guys have done such a beautiful, beautiful job. And I love how you did your research in going to look at other farms. And I know I just followed you and your family on a trip to France where you were doing quite a bit of research right. for the farm and in, in visiting other farms. Tell me, what was that trip like? And also, I couldn't help but ask, like, if this is a work trip, they why did they bring all their kids? That is really brave of them. <laughs> One of the perks of working with my husband is the the business trips, just he and I. But this is a whole different kind of trip. I'd love to hear more about it. I know we're in the we're in the thick of it in the child child years. You know it's hard to get a sitter for for seven kids <laughs> under so ten years. You're like, okay, well, I guess we got to take and them. And they they definitely are part of it. Like we talked about the startup phase and like the kids. You know, we'd we'd haul the kids to the farm and they'd go to sleep in the truck and it would be snowy or it'd be hot or they'd be taking naps under the tree. Like they've they've put in their work too, you know, and, and they find joy in, in all of it too. Like they've, they've made it all so fun. And really it's because of them that we're here, right? Yeah. We would have never been farmers if we wouldn't have children. But yeah, the work trip was very fun. And, and when we first started, like that's really what got us through was gleaning, you know, knowledge from past farmers and neighbors and people that had done it. And then people that were thinking in different ways than traditional farming and traditional marketing, you know, a big part of our business in the early days was learning from Five Mary's Farms, who's a rancher in Northern California, her and her husband. And she, she was really the pioneer of, you know, selling meat from a small farm directly to consumer. And I went out there, I learned from her. She gave me like all of her knowledge that she could give and that helped so much. So I think, you know, learning from farms and people that are doing it or have done it is really 
like where it's, where it's at. And I loved how you talked about your kids being a part of it. Like they feel ownership of what you guys are doing. One of the things that I get asked a lot as a working mom with a big family is about work-life balance. (laughs) And, you know, oftentimes when we talk about balance, it it insinuates that everything is like perfectly equal, which we know it it never is, right? It's more of like work-life integration. And I always use an analogy of a family farm. Again, I didn't grow up on a working family farm, but we did have a cow that we had to milk and we had animals that we had to tend to and chores that, you know, you have to do morning and night. And that idea that we're working together to keep this thing moving and we're all invested for this beautiful outcome is just an analogy that I've really loved. And you guys are literally living it out. You are doing it. So when people ask you, Hannah, how do you do it all? Like, how do you answer that question? And do you have any tips for other working moms on how to successfully integrate work and family life? I, I think back on my childhood, right? My my dad was a florist. We were all homeschooled. We all went to the flower shop. And we knew that we didn't have a ton of money. You know, like I never felt like we were poor. But I also knew that like I couldn't ask for certain things because I knew how much money we had. You know, I knew I was very involved. My parents involved all of us in the whole process, Right. I feel like it's good for kids to know what's going on, how hard it is to get food on the table, you know, and whether it's that paying the bills or actually getting food on the table. Like I, I think kids can be a part of that. And I loved being a part of it growing up. And I love that my kids are a part of it now. Yeah. Like Henry, my oldest, he gets ready in the morning, puts his belt buckle on, And he's like down in the shop working or out with the ranch hands. Like he loves it. Like it's not something I ask him to do. Like he's just. And how old is he now? He's 10. 10. Yeah, he's 10. (laughs) But like he's such a little man, you know, he earns his own money. We went to, where did we go the other day? The gas station. And I told the kids that they could get a treat. It was after rodeo practice. So I was getting the kids a treat and like Henry went up and like checked himself out. <laughs> he like paid for his own stuff. And I was like, Henry, he's like, oh, I, I like getting my own thing. You know, he's just like such a little man. So independent. Oh, I love that. Let's talk about social media because that is, you know, your kids definitely are playing a role in your social media. And you, you mentioned that you've been deliberate about it. You knew that was going to play a big role in the growth of your business. And I think last count, I saw you have four and a half million followers on Instagram. So you are succeeding. <laughs> um, has that has that growth surprised you? And um, also, can you tell us a little bit about your strategy? What is what is your strategy in, in what you share on social media? So, <laughs> I feel like my strategy is is just you know being real. Like I have no schedule. Like I don't have anyone helping me with social media. And sometimes I do feel like okay. I haven't posted for two days or like I haven't advertised for this because like life happens, you know, like I ha- I'm a mother of seven children and I fell asleep putting the baby asleep. So I didn't get to it that day. But I also feel like that's refreshing in a way. Like people, they know it's me behind the account. They know that this is a real family. Like we're, we're trying our best. Like sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. And so I feel like there's no real, you know, you don't have to 
have it scheduled, like go with the flow, like share what's actually happening. Sometimes I think just being who you are and living your life to what you want to do is the best strategy you can have. <laughs> yep. And for the products that you're selling, like the the meat products, like people want to know where their where their food's coming from, right? And yeah. you, you're showing them yeah. a very intimate, up close view of that. Right. It's a interesting beast. I call it a beast because Instagram is kind of a beast. It's like we got to feed the beast. You know? Yeah. It's kind of turned into something crazy, but it's good, yeah. good crazy. It's just be be who you really are, you know, share what really inspires you. I remember starting sourdough, the whole sourdough journey three years ago and, and sharing a lot of it. Cause that's what I was doing, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and now one of the main products that we sell is our sourdough starter. And I, I feel like it just evolves. Like if you're passionate and loving what you're doing, like it'll turn into something, something great. Yeah. Well, your content definitely resonates with people. I just love scrolling through some of your comments. And here are a few that I saw. I love dreaming of farm life through your lens. Someone said, you inspire me to try to be more present with my kids. Motherhood is chaotic, but beautiful. And you capture that perfectly. Someone else said, watching this seriously makes me emotional, beyond grateful for what you share here on Instagram. And I love this one. Gosh, your patience with your kids is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure, Hannah, you have your moments, right? I also have seven kids. We all have our moments, Sometimes right? we lose we it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I love that you were talking about authenticity because I think that is, that's what people want. That's what they're looking for when we're scrolling social media. But as a public figure with such a large following, how do you balance the pressure to maintain a certain image or persona with the need to be authentic and true to yourself? And you do lose your cool every now and then, right? <laughs> Make us all no, feel a little bit definitely. better. <laughs> I definitely lose my cool. Yeah, no, it's, I don't typically film myself when I'm yelling at the kids, but yeah, we, maybe I that's should. Normal. No, it's normal. But you know what? People would probably feel a lot better if they saw just that, that other side of Hannah too. Yeah. No, my kids are really good. Like I've, I have good kids, so they make it, they make it easier for sure. So when I had Mabel, is when I hit the million follower mark. And I remember like it all kind of like the pressure of like that number kind of fell on me being like, Mm -hmm. oh my goodness, like this is, this is a large following. Like this is becoming big. (laughs) And it was a, a time of reflection for me. Like I remember, you know, going to God with this and being like, is this, am I sharing what you want me to share? Like, is, you know, is this the direction? Like, what and how and you know what am i supposed to do and i i do feel like i i lean on god for a lot of direction and i feel like he's he's brought us this far with with what we've shared and i will continue to share until you know it doesn't feel right but right now it feels good to share what we share like i i enjoy sharing farm life, sharing motherhood. There is so much beauty in motherhood and in large families and in childbearing and hard work, you know, working with your spouse. Like there is, there is beauty in that. And I hope that I'm sharing tidbits of that for others to, to, to see. Yeah. Well, you definitely are. And I have felt inspired watching you, but with the good, there's always a negative too. Right. And I know that you have 
experienced your fair share or not even fair, I would say completely unfair, <laughs> completely unfair <laughs> share of negativity and criticism, particularly like related to how you're raising your family and your animals. And when such criticism is in total opposition to who you really are, how do you deal with that? Yeah, it is something I'm, I'm figuring out as we go through too, because with a smaller audience on social media, like you don't get as much of that. You know, I think when you get past a certain point, like there are people that just come for that, you know, it's just kind of like it feeds that. But I do think negativity feeds negativity. Like the more I dwell on it or read them or whatever, the more they kind of fester. (laughs) So I really try to not read those, stay away from them. Yeah. I, I know who we are. Like, I know that what we're doing is good and you just have to be confident in that and move through, you know? It takes nerves of steel though. Cause I will say when we first started our business and we're just a little software company <laughs> and someone would write in complaining about the product, like mama bear would come out. Like I would just, my blood would yeah. start pumping and I would just be like, feel this like fierce defense, you know, right. rise up in me. And, and we're just like, we're just making software for photo books, but like being, having like how I care for my children or care for our animals or, you know, financing our business. Like, I I just, I'm so impressed in the grace that you, in the graceful way that you're handling it. That's really nice. No, like I said, I'm learning. Like uh, Daniel is so good. Like he is like, he is so low drama, just always positive, you know, so thankfully I have him to like, you know, I, yeah. I'll, I'll vent to him and he'll be like, that's okay. You know, like they can think what they want to think. Like this is who we are, you know? Yeah. And so, so he's, he's good. Thankfully I have Daniel to keep, <laughs> keep me yeah. on the straight and narrow. <gasps> My husband's the same way. He keeps me grounded. Well, I say keep it going. Keep sharing your light and your business and everything with your family as it continues to grow. Speaking of growing. So you've got seven kids now. Yes. Are there going to be any more coming? You are from a family of nine. <laughs> Did you always want seven kids or can we be? That's a great question. No, Daniel was more? asked that yesterday. We had a farm <laughs> tour here yesterday and they said, like, are you guys done? And he was like, no, we'll have a few more. <laughs> yeah. Cause he's from so a big we family too. Will. Yeah. There, are he's there, from nine. There, yeah. Okay. He's from nine. He has seven sisters and he loves it. Like it's good. So hopefully we do. We, we The Lord will bless us with a few more, but we'll see. We'll see. Incredible. All right. Well, I was in tears watching the video of Mabel's birth at home with your kids all around. (laughs) I mean, how brave and also magical. Have you had all of your children at home? And what was that experience like? Yeah. So I, so we moved to Brazil when I was pregnant with my second baby. And in Brazil, it's, it's a super high C-section rate, like in the hospital. Like I think it's like 98% of women that deliver in the hospital have a C-section. It's just kind of what they do right now. And so I said, you know, I went out there and I said, no, I want to have my babies natural. Like, you know, and they said, if you want to have a baby naturally, like you have to have it at home, basically. It's like the best really? option. Wow. And so that's when home birth came to me. I was like, okay, I'm going to have to have this baby at home. But it felt good. Like it felt, I felt at peace with it. Amazing midwives there. Like she had studied at Yale, had gone to medical school, but she was a midwife in Brazil. So I had my first baby 
at home while we were in Brazil. Then I had George in Brazil at home because that was, you know. Yeah. And then after you have two babies at home, it's kind of like you can't go back. It's just, it's good. <laughs> I, I, I really like having him at home. But no, we moved back. Martha, my sixth baby girl, I was planning on having her at home. I was two weeks over. I don't know if you remember this, but I was out milking my cow. I tripped, <laughs> fell on my belly, and ended up having her in the hospital here in Utah. But oh, I had yeah. her in the hospital. The rest have been at home, and it's been great. Wow. Well, all of your videos, when people say, is it possible to be that patient? Yes. Well, this is the woman that wants to have her babies at home. I mean, <laughs> I had, of my seven, I one of them, the epidural didn't work, and I... I can I cannot imagine any other way. No, it's that's how um, my sister is. She's like Hannah. Like you got. I had I had an epidural with Martha. Like it was amazing. It was yeah. it was great. It was great. But I I do like birth is. Oh, it's such a rush. Even animal birth. Like I love being there for, you know, the cows and the lambs and piglets. Yeah. Like it's so cool. So maybe well, after I'm done with. Childbearing, I'll become a midwife or doula. Midwife, it'd be oh. so fun. Well, your your kids having the chance to watch their own sibling come into the world, but also on the farm, you know, helping deliver lambs. That was just the sweetest thing. The video of your yeah, son helping birth that lamb. So, tell us what does a typical day look like for the Nealman family? Seven kids, working farm. Give us the lowdown. Okay, good question. So three days a week. We have our neighbor down the street, Linnea, who comes and teaches the kids for a few hours during the day. And I used to do all the homeschooling, but there's so many hats that I'm wearing right now that it felt really good and timely to have Linnea come in. And she's so good. The kids love her. They're really responsible. You know, they'll they'll get their homework done for her. They, you know, they're motivated. Um, she comes three days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. The off days, they have to get all their homework and assignments done, and I help them with that, or Daniel, or they do it on their own. So that's kind of what school looks like for the kids. Uh, We wake up, we eat breakfast, usually pancakes or oatmeal or waffles, and then we go milk uh, the sheep, we feed the lambs, we milk the cow, whatever, you know, whatever's in milk or needs to be addressed in the morning. Daniel usually goes out on the ranch and he's he's really out on the ranch all day like he'll come in for lunch the kids after school they'll come down to the shop and work or they'll go work with the ranch hands like they love being outside doing chores the girls are young still so they're they're with me mm-hmm. we are cooking i'm like filming what i'm cooking typically <laughs> sometimes not sometimes i do on tuesdays i try to film a reel like that's when i'm like you know, from start to finish, like film a meal being made. And then we all come in, eat dinner together. And then we, I go back out after the kids are just asleep. And I usually do the evening chores. Sometimes the boys are with me. Sometimes the boys do it. Just kind of depends. But yeah. So lots of us, the afternoon is the crazy time because the kids get home from school and then you start all the after school extracurricular stuff. And I know your boys are doing roping and rodeo mm-hmm. 4-H stuff. Is that what they're doing? And I'm sure your girls will want to do the same when they get a little bit older. Um, yeah. 
But are there other yeah. extracurricular things? I mean, dance was a big part of your life growing up. Like, are you, do you think that you'll enter that phase of life too? Or is the farm got enough question. variety of experience? So we really want, we love rodeo for the kids because it is something that all genders can do. Like Fran can do it. The boys can do it. And it's so much of a family activity. Like the boys are roping every morning well, every other morning with Daniel. And sometimes I go too and like they all ride. Daniel's there with them. Like all the girls will be running the shoots, getting the steers in. And that's what we loved about the rodeo culture is it's it's not something that you go drop off your kids. It's like <laughs> the parents are the ones doing it with their kids. But that's not to say we won't do ballet lessons in the future. Not now. I started when I was 11. So I'm like, they have time. They're good. You could teach them. I mean, you've yeah. got the bar set up there. No, I want to turn this shop that I'm sitting in right now into a ballet studio because we are going to move this eventually over by the yes. creamery. And I'm like, this could be a little studio. Yes. Yes. We'll oh, see. I have a vision for it. the ballet studio at Ballerina Farm. It could Perfect. be so fun. No, I want to. Well, I love how your day is spent with your kids. Like that's so yep. beautiful and they're so lucky for that. But does Hannah ever need a break? And the the thing that popped into my mind is how often I would unwind by putting on a show. Okay, everyone sit here and watch a show. I mama's got to just have a minute. But I don't think I've ever seen a screen in any of your videos. <laughs> do you guys have screens? Or how do yeah, you find well, a little bit of time for yourself? <laughs> like it's, you know, we have the barnyard, like we have employees here, we have ranch hands. And so like the boys really aren't in the house. Like they're, they come in to eat, but they're like, see a mom, like we're going to go like, yeah, you know, brand Better the cattle with Tyler. Like they're just, yeah, they're like, <laughs> they're gone. Wouldn't love that. <laughs> like today they're out branding the neighbor's cattle and like, they were so excited, you know, at crack of dawn, they're up with their cowboy hats. Like they, they were just out of here, but no, we, we don't have a TV and they don't really have screens. Uh, we do have date night. Like we have mandatory date night once a week, which is very needed. We do put on planet earth sometimes at night for the kids on the computer <laughs> so that we can have quiet uh -huh. in the house. Winters are long here. So nights get kind of noisy and <laughs> long yeah. in the house, but no, the kids are outside most of the day. Like they're doing stuff. So when they come into the house, they're, they're tired. They, they're pretty good. But no, you go crazy. Like seven kids, let's be honest. Like you do go a little crazy. But I saw my parents go crazy. Like I remember my mom being crazy. I'm like, just in that phase. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's oh. just the, the rush hour of life. Like here we are. Yeah. It's fun though. Well, one of my friends, Jordan Page, she, she's got eight kids now. And yeah, I know Jordan. Oh, you know, Jordan, she's amazing. She talks yeah. a lot about raising capable kids and I love her content. And again, it reminds me of my childhood because I swear I was three years old when I was making scrambled eggs for my family. Yeah. Um, my, <laughs> my siblings kind of dispute that story, but I believe it's true. And I've seen one of your little kids up at the stove making her own scrambled eggs. So oh, um, yeah. totally. you are doing such a great job in raising capable kids. But for those of us like not living on a farm, what advice might you have on things that we can be doing in our homes to help raise capable and responsible kids? Like, are there chores that we don't realize that maybe some of our, our younger kids could do? I'm just wondering your perspective on that. I love that question. You know, I, I really don't think there's a, a right way to parent. 
you know, like I, like you said, I, I grew up very different than how I'm raising my kids. I grew up dancing like so much, like after school until, until dark every night. But my parents were very present and they taught us to work hard and, and to, to be kind and to, to love God. And I think if you're teaching your kids that, then like you're doing a good job. You know, you don't have to, to raise them on a farm. They don't have to be doing certain chores to be able to, to learn how to work. You know, that's, that's impossible to do as parents. But I think if you're present and, and, and showing them how to live a respectful and honorable life, like you're going to, you're going to be doing your best. Yeah. Some of my favorite content that you share is when you are cooking and all of your, your little ones are all gathered around with hands in, licking, stirring. Yeah. <laughs> but I think there are some personalities that might feel a little anxiety <laughs> seeing that. I remember how I felt going into the kitchen to cook was kind of like my me time. Like you guys sit here and watch mm-hmm. a show. I'm going to cook. But at some point, as my kids started getting older and leaving the house, I was like, oh, I should have had you in cooking more because <laughs> now you don't know how to make anything. No, that's not quite true. My youngest is 15 and he basically cooks dinner like every other night. He's he's very, oh, very good. That's good. But you do have quite a few cooking videos and those get millions and millions of views. And in fact, the video about everything from scratch lasagna has like 11,000 comments on it. So goodness, a couple of questions. Do you really cook (laughs) everything from scratch? (laughs) And do you always let your kids help cook like that? Or is that more for the gram? So we eat very simply. We eat meat and potatoes. And on real days, like on Tuesdays, I'll I'll do something more fancy, you know, like I'll be like, okay, I'm going to make mozzarella this week, but I'll make it on Tuesday because... I'm going to be filming, whatever, you know, I don't make every meal like a four hour process. That's a, a lot of it's like, you know, <laughs> steak and potatoes. <laughs> I do make a lot of sourdough bread. We have fresh milk, fresh butter, you know, it's, it's good. Like you have farm, farm life benefits, but the kids are, they really are in there with yeah. me. Every meal they're in there peeling potatoes or cutting vegetables or whatever. Henry, my oldest, he especially loves the kitchen. Like he'll, he's like your son. Like he'll make dinner. He'll be like, I'm going to make steak and potatoes tonight, or I'm going to do this tonight. Like he's, he's just kind of drawn to it. He he made crepes for us the other day with berry syrup. Like he's just, he's doing it. So yeah, they, they are in the kitchen. Our house is small ish. So they're, when someone's cooking, like that's where you want to (laughs) be. Yeah. So uh, my youngest especially loves to cook meat. And in fact, we have some ballerina farm meat thawing upstairs. He's going to oh, make yum. something with. Yes, he's, <laughs> he's a huge fan. Some of those videos, I remember how I would react if like a cup of milk was spilt and I would be like, oh, oh get out of, you know, like that just felt like <laughs> the last drop where I'm like, I'm trying to keep it together. And you just you know, get out of the kitchen, but watching, you know, things spill and then kids are mopping it up and cleaning it up. And you're just so calm. I think that is your gift. I think that's truly just your gift. And it, it is now a gift for your children to be able to experience all of that at mama's side. And it's just, it's beautiful, beautiful to witness and to watch. Well, Dan, you know, who's really good at it is Daniel's family. So Daniel, his mom, is always cooking things from scratch and his seven sisters, like they're all in the kitchen. Like that's how, when I first went to Sunday dinner, the first Sunday I met Daniel, like all 
eight of them were in there cooking together. Mm. And it was such a fun, cool atmosphere. And now all seven of his sisters now are married and doing the same things with their kids. Like I'm learning from his side because my mom, I guess I was the eighth child. So there wasn't a ton of kids at home. So it was different, you know. I only have two kids at home now. And if I'm being honest, I rarely ever cook because they're either gone or Declan's cooking. (laughs) It is different. But I could have done better when my when all my kids were home, getting them more involved. And so don't do as I do. Do as Hannah does. Get your kids no, in there. you Get, did love, perfect. Don't say that. <laughs> There's no one right way to be a mom. Okay, there isn't one right way. That's true. It's so it's true. true. Can we talk about photos? Because I, with all the content that you're taking for your social media, I'm sure you've got a gazillion photos on your camera. In fact, do you have your phone <sighs> with you? Do you? Can you tell me how many I photos do, do you no. have? So this is embarrassing. So this phone is my backup phone because my other phone is so, so many photos. Like, what does this one have on it? Let's see. This only has 11,000, but I think my other phone has like close to 40 or something ridiculous. Like it's really bad. Okay. Well, I've got 60. I've got 60 on mine. I just had to buy a new phone. So so 60, yeah, that's because, what I just had to do. I must be yeah. closer to a hundred. Like I have a new phone now and it's so complicated because I'm like, when I film reels and things that are longer, I use my new phone because it's like a 30 minute video. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, you need all, all the storage, all the technology, all the storage. Your family is so darling and they're growing up so fast. So take all of the photos. But I'm wondering, do you have any organization tips or any ways that you help like curate those photos so that you can enjoy them? No, I need to do (laughs) chat books or something. Help me out. (laughs) Okay. You got to start by doing just like a regular curation. And I do it on Sunday nights. I call it my Sunday select. Every Sunday night when finally the house is calm and the kids are in bed, go through and just start deleting the stuff that you don't need, right? I love that. You take photos all week long, photos and videos. But by Sunday night, you pretty much know what you need and don't need. And at least getting some of the junk out of there, it relieves some of that mental weight and load. I like that. And then it makes it a little bit easier to make your chapbooks or however you want to enjoy your family photos. But I'm curious also, when you are going to take a photo of your family like do you, what's your go-to trick to get the perfect family photo and what does a perfect I, family photo look like to you because and what is for, perfect do you feel like my photos are perfect <laughs> well maybe um, it's because you have the cutest kids it's hard to not have a great photo no they are good daniel's really good about taking pictures too like he's like okay kids like we got to do this you know like bear do with they feel us. like it's part of their job like as ballerina farm family, you have to take this photo or like, I have to kind of preface it saying, um, this is not for social media. This is for the chat books. Like (laughs) they're older now and they're, they're a little bit hesitant about like, what are you going to do with this? Yeah. No, I, I don't think we take that many. And I, it's just like, you got to go quick, you know, kids have very short attention spans. So it's just, I usually get one or two and like, that's it. Like if it didn't work, then it didn't work. Like I, I don't, I don't hound it too much. So I guess that's my advice. Like just take one. I feel like there's so much beauty in, in just, you know, being you and, you know, having one of them turned around crying or, you know, the Mm -hmm. ugly water bottle or whatever is in the picture. It's just, it's just part of it. 
We, so. we call it everyday magic at Chatbooks. It's just everyday the magic. magic of exactly. the everyday. And they don't, you don't need everyone looking and smiling. It's, it's all no. the in-between moments that yeah. you're really going to want to treasure and cherish. Exactly. So I think that would be my advice is just try to capture the everyday moment, capture one or yeah. two, and then yeah. be done with it. And then do your Sunday <laughs> select so you don't end up with 60,000 photos. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> oh, and back them up on iCloud. a cloud backup and a hard drive. And a hard drive. Okay. Both of those. Both of those. Um, okay, I need to do that. Hannah, I admire you so much. Thank you so much for giving us your time here today and sharing so much of your story here and then also online every day. I know social media can feel like a drag and it's totally fine. I know there are people who do need their daily dose of Ballerina Farm to get them through the day, <laughs> but it's okay if you take a few days off, but please keep sharing. I, I love it so much and I think it's so inspiring and it's just been a, a treat to learn a little bit more about the woman behind Ballerina Farm. That's and, so nice. And, more dancing videos too. That's my only other request. More dancing. Okay. okay I gotta get, get Daniel in, out there dancing with you too. Get Daniel out here. <laughs> oh, you're so nice. Thank you. Thank you. So where can our listeners learn more about the products that you offer? And can you give us a little sneak peek on what's next for Ballerina Farm besides the dance studio? Besides the dance studio. Yes. Okay. Lots of things happening for Ballerina Farm. You can always go to our website, ballerinafarm.com. That's where all the products are also on Instagram, you know, we're sharing daily, but there is a dairy going up on the farm. It's, it's slow because this winter has been the craziest winter of yes. all time. It's the most snow we've ever had in Camas on record. So, which is saying something for Camas. So the dairy's going up. We're going to be doing uh, butter, ice cream. We're doing a dairy. We're doing a creamery in town. We bought 13 acres downtown Camas. So we'll have a little creamy, uh, a store and a little cafe there in town so that when you come up, you can go buy all your produce and, and eggs and meat and milk and butter and all the things. So hopefully that, that will come to fruition end of the summer. We were hoping for July 4th, but like, I think it's going to be more like August, September. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, oh, it's exciting. I love it. So people can actually come to the farm and come to the farm. soak in the yep. magic there. Yeah. I can't wait. All right. We'll be there. We'll be there with bells on. Okay. You better, we'll, we'll create a chat books. First yes, visit to BS. Yes. <laughs> Love it. All right. Thanks so much, Hannah. Thank you. I just think she is such a breath of fresh air. I'll link to the Ballerina Farm shop in our show notes, and I'm going to keep trying to get my sourdough to turn out as beautiful as Hannah's. Thanks so much for being here and being part of the Mom Force podcast community. I hope your holidays are wonderful and full of happy family time. Until next time. 